Greetings, pair shorpens and retrogrades. Pope Francis has condemned the serious sin of proselytism. And in so doing, he has no explanation for the vocations crisis in the Roman Catholic Church. That's one of the many horrors. It's an intellectual horror, because how can he not see the correlation between these two things? Of today's Vatican and today's story, in addition to this story of Francis for, I think, the fourth time that I've recounted, condemning the Great Commission, go out and convert all the world, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, 19. Also, there are these little stories that get a little more attenuated in the strength of that narrative by which we're told them. Uh, One is he's dropping F-bombs, say some seminarians, at an audience they had with him, which is off-putting. I'm not a Puritan when it comes to language, but the Holy Father dropping F-bombs seems a little weird, particularly in a an ecclesial type setting. Also, he says to them, same, same group of seminarians, absolve everyone, even if they say they're not sorry. Well, that's the corollary of Amor Laetitia, right? A non-repentant adulterer, that is someone who gets a divorce, divorce is not allowed to you Catholics, to us Catholics, um, and wants to keep having sex with someone new, allow them to get communion by allowing them to get confession. That's number two. And thirdly, you ready for this other extra attenuated bit of Romish gossip that I wish I could say I fully disbelieved. I don't know where I come out on it. Thirdly, there's hearsay evidence. It's hearsay that Francis might have even ordered the Pell accusation from three and a half years ago. The faulty charges against Pell. That's hearsay. And it's very, very attenuated, but I wish that I could completely dismiss it on the character of the pontiff. So we're going we're gonna to do this show, and it's going to be uh, what the Pope's planners would call a very anti-Francis show once we get going after these messages. But I want to, coming right out of the, the messages that I'd like to deliver to you, I'd like to show you why we are not an anti-Francis show, or at least even if I'm anti-Francis, which I am, firmly. It's a very positive show. The most positive Catholic episodic uh, vlog on the internet. I'll do so in a second. In other words, if Francis went out and tomorrow some great pontiff, Leo XIV, replaced him, we would be thrilled and we would have as much content to make as ever, which is uh, the counter to some of the claims by the Pope's planners, which are quite hilarious. First, I want to encourage all of you to get out of your blue state, get to a red state, and to do it, go to realestateforlife.org. They'll help you get out of your blue state and get to a red state today. You haven't lost the chance for so doing yet. Do like I did. I went from the bluest of the blue to the reddest of the red. I recommend the blood red swath of states from Texas to Florida. America's truest self, which we'll talk some about today. Go to realestateforlife.org to help you do it. Next, if you want to support this channel, there are there's really one way. The main way is to go to Patreon and become a patron today. We are in the middle of yet another one of our patrons-only book clubs. This one is on The Great Divorce. All you have to be is a $5 a month patron, the lowest level, in order to get that great benefit and others we increase the benefits as best we can every year. 
2023, we're doing more than ever. Become a Patreon patron of Timothy J. Gordon today. If you want to support me, the man, in strictly donative way, having nothing to do with what I do here because of uh, needs of a big family, having been fired two and a half years ago, there are still people that, that donate to me, Timothy Gordon, also at timothyjgordon.com on DonorBox, but don't confuse that with helping the channel. Those are, those are two means you can help me out directly and indirectly. Also, you can click like, subscribe, click the notification bell on this channel. You need all of them to get good content and to make sure that you're helping the algorithms, which rule all on YouTube. Leave a comment. Today's video is, is more conducive to good comments, so leave one if you can. Okay, so the Pope Splanners are going to say this show about Francis telling us not to spread the gospel. He's saying it's a serious sin. Once again, that's at least the fourth time he said it. Also, Francis dropping F-bombs, saying observe all, even the, the non-repentant. And hearsay, it's pretty attenuated but interesting, which alleges that Francis ordered the Pell accusations. Very interesting. Well, the Pope Splanners are going to respond the only way they know how. By lying. That's what they do. They lie to make you think Francis has been any kind of a good or even a neutral pope or even a moderately bad pope. That would be a lie. Stretched in favor of the man, Pope Francis. But they also must lie to cover their tracks. And how do they do that? They lie about the folks that have always, with an unblemished record, told you the truth about Pope Francis. Rules for retrogrades. I mean, I am the most consistent, if you ask me, teller of truth about Pope Francis out there. I've been trying to publish articles since his first summer in the Petrine office. Those articles were turned into useless word docs in my computer because even the right-wing outfits wouldn't publish a word against Francis yet. The point, And there are other good channels that have told you the truth about Francis relatively consistently. But the point is, the Pope's planners say something like this about those of us who tell the truth about Francis, they say, it's not a direct quote, this is a paraphrasing, those guys will have nothing to do if we ever were to, through the good graces of God, get a good pope. But they won't say get a good pope because I think they say Francis is a good pope. They'll say get a pope to their liking, make it a subjective matter. See how Francis is forcing even these Catholics to become relativists? Well, this is another lie. So I'm going to run through the positive things this channel does, which is where we spend 90% of our effort on the positive thing. Yeah, it's negative to do an anti-Francis show, but you need to know. Here are the positive things in no certain order. In a second, first I want to let you guys know, parish orphans and retrogrades, if there's some technical glitch, we've been having some computer difficulties early in the year. Uh, hopefully we won't have that. What this channel does now, in no certain order, is to fill holes in the Catholic vlogosphere and blogosphere where we can and published bookosphere <laughs> with the following absolutely indispensable content that without this channel, without what I do by written word, when you combine it to this channel, just wouldn't be there. Not nearly the same way. Telling you not to waste money on college. My most recent book is called Don't Go to College. Um, telling your kids to get married young and, and how to do so 
in a way where you're not completely poor and in a way where you're completely happy. Get married young, marry your high school sweetheart if, if he or she is decent and don't go to college. So you're not hearing that case from other Catholic vlogosphere people or blogosphere people. You might hear them agreeing, but I wrote a whole book on it. Next, teaching non-grad students who take my advice and don't go to college, Aristotomism for cheap. We teach you all about Aristotelianism and Thomism, two separate worldviews. We roll them into one. They're close enough for very, very cheap. And these are the things that a worthy college degree is there for. Two things, Aristotelianism, Thomism. The best of the pagans, the best of the Christians, Aristotomism. I teach it for very, very cheap. Go to timothyjgordon.com and get classes. Also, this channel teaches how to homeschool your kids without a curriculum. If you homeschool your kids, great. If you use a curriculum to so do it, you're kind of missing the point. Later this month, late, late January, we're going to give a very, very cheap class on how to homeschool your kids without a curriculum. What do you really do to make your own curriculum as you go? It's much better. It's much easier. It's the only truly classical way. It's the only truly organic way. This is what this channel does. Also, teaching trads how to speak Latin, how to read Latin, how to translate Latin. I know the TLM is the superior mass. I know. I know it's more beautiful. But for too long, trads have whined about being beaten up in the Latin Mass, which is fair, but then also defended, it's quite a cope to say, I don't need to know how to read or speak Latin. That's not true. The Latin Mass is for Latin speakers. Learn how to speak it. It's more beautiful. It's a more beautiful language. It's the ecclesial language, the language of the church. I teach you how to speak Latin for cheap. Go to timothyjgordon.com. Teaching you true history, church history, which is also true European history. I do it in shows and I do it in the class on timothyjgordon.com. My whole second project, I do it on every Friday, is C-Mask, the Christian project of Christian masculinism for a generation or generations of young men whose fathers won't show them. What is Christian masculinity? Who whose fathers simply don't know. It's, you know, only on my channel once every four Fridays, but every Friday, between me, Michael Robillard, Elliot Hulse, and Will Noland, Nolan knows, we bring you brand new content on CMAS, Christian masculinism. This is all positive stuff because men are the leaders, women are the followers. Men have fallen into a noxious, world-destroying habit of not leading. And the, the women lead, there's no such thing. And so, all the bad stuff has happened. Not through the bishops, not through liturgical stuff. It's all happened because men don't lead families. In trad world, in novus ordo world, in the secular world. C-mask is the one way out. It's a total second project. Does it take energy to do what we do here on Rules for Retrograde? You bet. But it's worth it. More positives coming from this channel. Publishing, along with my wife who published Ask Your Husband, I published The Case for Patriarchy, the two definitive Catholic anti-feminist books on, on against the feminists. All the other feminist, anti-feminist Catholic authors I can think of, Freudian slip, are actually moderate feminists. All the other ones I can think of. Doug Wilson's daughter published an incredibly based Calvinist anti-feminist book, but I'm talking among in the Catholic world. Case for Patriarchy and Ask Your Husband are the only two truly 
truly anti-feminist ones. Spit them at me in the comments. I'll tell you what's wrong with all these other anti-feminist Catholic books. They're feminist. Another uh, huge part of what we do here is to ha- how to patch up Catholic marriages, which are all, even in the trad world, based on feminism. Steph and I do this as part of, you know, some portion, non-zero portion of the episodes of Rules for Retrograde. Steph is fixing to come on again with me. We are currently working on a workbook to literally help Catholics get through their fights about the important issues, fights writ large about sex, about the first year after you have a kid. That's a rough time, by the way. About uh, balancing the checkbook. These are, this is going to be earth-shatteringly effective workbook for Catholic marriages. But in general, we do shows. Here's how to patch up your marriage. All marriages need it. It's the main problem in the world today. Feminism. Also, this channel teaches you what the U.S. Constitution really requires. Subsidiarity. And, of course, moderate integralism. I told you all about subsidiarity and moderate integralism in about six different shows I've done on the channel. You can just go and look them up on the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. No other Catholic's doing that. You've got these integralist, uh, thick integralist LARPs. There's, there's different levels of integralism, right? There's thin integralism. That just means your lawfare has to be based on the natural law. There's moderate integralism, which is what I advocate for. U.S. lawfare from 1791 to, 17, to 1947 under the First Amendment. Cuius regio, eius religio. This is basically Catholic teaching from the Middle Ages after the Reformation. It just means, hey, wherever your state is, the main Christian sect should be the official establishment there, which would leave it open for Catholic states. If it's a Baptist state like Mississippi, I might have to move or deal with it. But that's the official American teaching that Freemasons changed in 1947 in this country. Cuius regio, eius religio, a very Catholic thing. That's the First Amendment. You don't know because the Freemasons brainwashed you. Moderate integralism is where it's at. Thick integralism is what most people who call themselves integralists are talking about. That means something like, I don't know, the Pope is the king of the world? Pope Francis? Really? If Pope Francis is the king of the world, we'd have forced open borders. We have widespread telephone wiretapping, which they have in the Vatican. All these are in the Vatican. Uh, Wealth redistribution. We'd have basically communist wealth redistribution. I don't want that. And we would have forced total vaccination, like the mark of the beast. That's if your Pope now or king of the world. That's thick integralism. It doesn't work. It violates subsidiarity. It's awful. The only channels that talk about integralism talk about this totally wrong, thick integralism. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Okay? Moderate integralism is where it's at. And I teach you how the U.S. Constitution has already codified this. We, don't need, we just have to get back to it. We don't have to do anything else. This channel also teaches you how to undo porn, contraception, sodomy and gay marriage under the current U.S. constitutional regime. All these things were illegal in states until the 1960s and after. The the, the Freemasons made it illegal to illegalize these things starting in the 1960s in the Warren Court. In 65, contraception became illegal to illegalize. In 69, pornography became illegal to illegalize. 73, 
Abortion became illegal to illegalize. 2003, sodomy became illegal to illegalize. And 2015, gay marriage became illegal to illegalize. This country stands for Christianity. It's a weird mix of Protestants and Catholics, but the, the intellectual ideas are actually more Catholic than Protestant. And therefore, all of this stuff was illegal in the good states under subsidiarity until the 60s. And we had, until 1947, Christian establishments of religion. I taught you that. No one else is talking about that. Okay? Uh, this channel also defends and encourages the TLM and, and attendance. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of you say, hey, I started going in late 2018. You know, Mar Marshall's channel also does that. A lot of people go because of the TNT shows that I was a part of on Marshall's channel. I'm just saying, we do positive stuff. There are... There are Pope Splainers out there lying about channels like mine. We do take after Francis, but I will have plenty to do here, all these projects. I am beginning a new kind of trajectory, apologetics against the Orthodox, or as per the Orthodox. Much, much trickier because the Orthodox have much more sophisticated arguments than Protestants. Every, anyone can do Protestant apologetics, right? Do you know how to read? Okay. Do you know how to read? A page of the Bible? Do you know how to read a page of the Magisterium? You can do that. Do you know why Catholic Answers, by the way, do you know why Catholic Answers every day for hours does Protestant apologetics? Because it is easy. It is the most ridiculous, retorted undertaking. You could, I mean, I know there are people that are still Protestants. I'm friends with a lot of them. But it is the easiest undertaking imaginable. What's needed is Orthodox apologetics because they have really, really, really good sounding really, really respectable apologetics that require deep studies. Catholic Answers doesn't go at these guys hard because the Eastern Orthodox are hardcore. How about, oh, I'm still waiting for someone to come up with apologetics against Peter Diamond after the Matt Frad debate. That, that's, that's a, these are taller orders, right? These are respectable adversaries. And I, you know, I say, I use adversaries lightly because we're all Christian brothers. But the Orthodox tend to be smarties. Saturdays like Peter Diamond tend to be smarties. We need apologetics in that direction. And I'm, I'm, I'm beefing up on orthodox apologetics. You know, patch things up with Jay Dyer so we can do things the friendly way, in a way that everyone benefits from. But come on, all the channels that say We're, we do apologia, yeah, 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 against Protestants. This is the most easy ipse dixit 30 second proof or proofs in the history of proofs. Get, get out of town. This channel and this overall, whatever you want to call it, apostolate in scare quotes, uh, uh, does book clubs on important Christian lit. We're doing um, The Great Divorce right now. And overall, Rules for Retrogrades is the best model, if you ask me, of bold yet faithful obedience. How to be bold yet faithful obedient. Yes, you do have to be obedient to Francis. That's why I argued on the... Uh, What's it called? The Mass. What, what is it? The one, the one Mass? What's the documentary I was a part of? Mass of the Ages. I'm not thinking clearly today. The Mass of the Ages channel, <laughs> I debated Tim Flanders, and I was like, look, Francis is a kook. He's the most evil man on earth. I think he's five times more evil than Biden. He's an evil dude. He's the most evil man on earth. But, He's in his jurisdiction to do this evil stuff to hate us Latin masters. It is, 
it's not the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of one man, Francis. He's evil. But that is a power he has to oppress us Latin masters. Is it good? No. It's evil. He's the worst pope we've ever had. But that's not the same thing as doing something that's ultra virus to him. I told you that, and that was unpopular, but it was true. And I was arguing against Tim Flanders, and now I hear Tim Flanders making arguments that sounds like he agrees publicly. So I took the honest approach there. I'm not, I'm not saying Tim didn't. This channel takes the honest approach. I'm like, look, some things are bitter pills. It's a bitter pill that we have such an evil, wicked man, five times as evil as Joe Biden who hates us for loving tradition and hates us for spreading the gospel. I'm going to get to the story, I promise. But he, he technically can do this, okay? He can do what he did. It's not like he overstepped his power there with regard to the TLM and, you know, and uh, we can, like, do a vote of no confidence. We just take it on the chin. And I was the one honest enough to tell you that, even though I hate it. I, I hate the Nova Zordo. I hate it. It's the same integralists that are saying, like, we'll recognize, resist what, what the, what, what? We can't recognize and resist the Pope. He's, he's the sovereign, right? Is he the monarch? This is why I don't want thick integralism. Don't give him powers he doesn't have. You guys don't even want to obey the powers he does have. So you got to kind of rebel where you're allowed by Jesus and the Gospels and the, the real Catholic tradition to rebel. There are rules even in rebellion. This channel is called Bold Yet Faithful Obedience, as its slogan, because the call, the question is, where are we allowed to rebel against a, a, a wicked prelate like Francis? The wicked prelate. You get it all from this channel. What is that? 15 separate goals or something? They're all positive. So don't give me that hogwash, Pope Splainers. It's hogwash. It's something that you would wash off a hog. Okay, it's something you would scrape off the epidermis of a hog to tell me that this channel has nothing positive to do. Who else teaches constitutional law, Aristotelianism, Thomism, Latin, church history? How to homeschool your kids, how to repair your marriage, get out of town. And yes, we do need help. Patreon and on, on a personal donation, donative level, donor box, okay? Now... Now that that unpleasantness, actually it's pleasantness, is out of the way, let's get to the unpleasantness. <laughs> Usually you get the unpleasantness out of the way first. Francis, according to LifeSite, LifeSite is, a weird, I was talking about this this past weekend, it's my only absolutely everyday daily check in the, in the Catholic world anymore. This has changed around recently a bit. LifeSite is the only one that I check every day, along with a bunch of NBA channels on YouTube. <laughs> okay. Catholic world, it's only LifeSite. I check other channels, but things have changed in the past couple couple years. It used to be 1 Peter 5, 2, not so often now, uh, stuff like that. LifeSite, who's really been doing great work late since late, late last year, early this year, says, Pope Francis condemns serious sin of proselytism, but has no explanation for the vocations crisis. Let's do this first, because this is well, 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 well documented. Well documented. Pope Francis has once again condemned Catholic efforts of evangelization, stating that, quote, Catholicism is not proselytism, while adding he has no explanation for the drop in vocations in recent decades. QED. This is a stupid thing to say. The pontiff made 
The comments in an interview he gave to the Spanish language news outlet Mundo Negro, Black World, back in mid-December, which was published on January the 13th. He made this statement while fielding a question about the Second Vatican Council, having been asked whether the church's mission had changed since the council, and, quote, if the church and the people need another mission. Listen to what this wicked prelate says. Thank God, yes. The, the original mission of the church, the missiology of the church, missiologically speaking, I should say, Matthew chapters 18 and 19, tell us to go out and spread the gospel to all the world. Pope Francis is saying, in essence, I'm paraphrasing, Jesus was wrong. At least he'd be wrong to apply missiology to 2023. So thank God, yes, we need a new mission from the one Jesus gave us. The vicar of Christ is replacing for Christ what the mission is. Do you understand? Historians, Francis says, say that it takes 100 years for a council to have a complete result. So it is halfway there. So many things have changed in the church, so many things for the better. Well, no one agrees. And why would things change in the church? Man has a constant nature, one of possible goodness, but natural concupiscence after the fall of Adam and Eve. So, the mission of the church is the exact same. Convert the intellect and the will of the concupiscent sinner, Bring him to Jesus, bring him to good habits. The 86-year-old Pope referenced what he described as two interesting signs. Firstly, he stated that the first imprudent effervescences of the council have already disappeared. Clarifying, he was referring to liturgical effervescences. Do you note that he, he's talking about clown masses and no, they haven't disappeared. Abuses. They haven't disappeared. But it's funny, he's trying to slip that in and kind of acknowledge there were a few abusives. No, there were many. There were sundry. There were multiple. They were ubiquitous. And they still are. His second suggestion was that the council was having an effect on the church was anti-conciliar resistances, quote, are emerging. Resistance that were not seen before, something typical of every process of maturity. End quote. Francis welcomed changes which he attributed to the council, such as an increased respect for cultures. <laughs> I don't respect cultures. That's not a good thing. And quote, the enculturation of the gospel. And he spells it I-N. And I, I've seen Europeans do like a in-culturation instead of enculturation. Enculturation of the gospel, meaning you don't have to change them. It's really cultural relativism, as Benedict XVI would have called it in his first three years of office before he you know, sold out to the Francis pontificate. Things which were an indirect consequence of the council. Okay. And yes, I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. You know, Benedict had an amazing first three years of his pontificate. That's about it, you know. And then, then he left us. He began leaving us before he left us, by the way. Highlighting this evangelization of culture, Francis expanded by saying... And he was talking of evangelizing, of announcing, and nothing more with much respect. Consequently, he argued that proselytism was the most serious sin that a missionary can have. Therefore, the most serious sin that a missionary can have is proselytism. Catholicism is not proselytism. So, let us see. Devotees of the church's tradition and of the traditional mass regularly point to such remarks and policies as exemplary of the crisis afflicting the church, is seen notably in the drop in vocations, which is 
which is interesting. You say, hey, people, don't become Catholic. You don't need to become priests. You don't need to convince people of the Eucharist. You don't need to increase the number of total people in the world that are receiving consecrated hosts, body, blood, soul, divinity of Jesus. Well, you're going to produce less priests and you're going to produce less evangelizing. Pretty obvious. But Francis doesn't see a correlation there or causation. There are five places, he says, Belgium, Holland, Spain, Ireland, and Quebec filled the world with missionaries. Today, these five places have no vocations. It is a mystery. And in less than 100 years, how do we explain this to each other? I see no explanation. I think he's, Francis is not this dumb. So he's having, uh, he's poking fun at us. He's like, I don't see what could be the correlation here. However, when it questioned, he expressed no concern for this because that would be proselytizing stating that it was merely a crisis which must be experienced and overcome. No, I am not concerned, he says, in the sense that we are merging. It is a sign of the times and indicates worldliness. That's hell on earth, worldliness. That indicates a level of development that puts values elsewhere. Yeah, it puts values elsewhere, not on converting all the world to the true cross of the true Jesus, the true Christ. I agree. Uh, LifeSite also adds Pope Francis consistently downplays the need for conversion. This is by no means the first time that Pope Francis has decried proselytism. It has been one of the more consistent themes of his nearly 10-year pontificate. In the first year of his papacy, in an October 2013 interview with La Repubblica, he said, quote, proselytism is solemn nonsense. It makes no sense. I believe in God, not in a Catholic God. Oof. And there is no Catholic God. There is God, and I believe in Jesus Christ, his incarnation. Forgive this man. He knows not what he says or does. I, I'd like to believe. Or thanks. Um, there's an article related here right under this LifeSite article called Pope. It's a very grave sin for Catholics to try to convert Orthodox. Remember when you know Michael Lofton said he'd come on this channel to talk about this? He said, no, Pope Francis only condemns proselytism. I was like... Sometimes he uses the P word, but other times he says, don't try to convert people, which is the value neutral sense of trying to proselytize or evangelize. One's good, one's bad. But here he says, just don't try to convert the Orthodox. That's a sin. And then I think after Lofton saw that, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't come on later in the week. Pope Francis has often repeated such argumentation, promoting ecumenical efforts instead of the vocation of Catholics to evangelize. In 2016, he famously rebuked a young Lutheran girl who asked him for advice about how to deal with her non-church-going friends. Here's what he answered. The last thing the girl has to do is speak. He urged her to live like a Christian, like a Christian girl, chosen, forgiven, and on a path. Then he argued ambiguously, quote, It is not licit that you convince them of your faith. Proselytism is the strongest poison against the ecumenical path. Well, of course it is. The ecumenical path is evil, right? Converting the world is good. The mission of the church is converting the world. It's not to be ecumenical, to get along with the world. And in another article, LifeSite published, Pope Francis tells teens that they're not a disciple of Jesus if they try to convert non-believers. That's a separate instance as far as I can tell. He's not saying don't proselytize each of these times. Clearly, by proselytize, he means spread the gospel. But other times, he just says don't spread the gospel. Don't try to convert non-believers. Don't speak. Speaking is the only way to talk. 
Only weeks before he had warned Catholics away from evangelizing efforts, saying it's a very grave sin against ecumenism for Catholics to try to convert Orthodox Christians. Francis stated, But what should I do with a friend, neighbor, or Orthodox person? Be open. Be a friend. That's not going to convert them. That's just going to confirm them in, you know, their Orthodox Christianity. I mean, not there's a lot worse things someone can be than an Orthodox Christian, but we should convert them to Catholicism. They're about as close to Catholicism as you can get. Closer than Protestants. But I should make efforts to convert him or her? This is a very grave sin against ecumenism, proselytism, just any conversion. Here's the definition here. You hear this, uh, Pope's planners out there? Making any efforts to convert him or her, in hard brackets, an Orthodox person, is a very grave sin against ecumenism called, uh, colon, proselytism. That means called proselytism. Direct quote from Francesco here. We should never proselytize the Orthodox. Never. They are our brothers and sisters, disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah, they are. They are brothers and sisters. Closer to us than Protestants. They're disciples of Jesus, no doubt. But there's some, some key issues we should hash out with them. We don't have to yell at them. Tend to be pretty well versed. Sometimes a lot better versed than Catholics, but that doesn't mean they're right. Only Catholics are right. His rejection of the evangelization efforts have been accentuated. They become accentuated in light of the 2019 Abu Dhabi document and subsequent ecumenical meetings with Muslim leaders. We, you know, then this article goes through Pope Leo's teaching on we must spread the faith. One thing, however, he says always remains true, even in 2023. Leo the Thirteenth would say this, that liberty, which is claimed for all to do all things, is not, as we have often said, of itself desirable, inasmuch as it is contrary to reason that error and truth should have equal rights. He's talking about false religions. In the 1896 encyclical Satis Cognitum, that everyone should become a, a child of God by taking Jesus Christ as their brother, and at the same time the church as their mother. Everyone. The Orthodox, Protestants, Jews, Whoever. Similarly, this was taught by Pius XII in his 1928 encyclical Mortalium Animus, explaining why Catholics were prohibited from participating in non-Catholic assemblies. Pius XII wrote, The union of Christians can only be promoted by promoting the return to the one true Church of Christ of those who are separated from it, for in the past they have unhappily left it. And Benedict affirmed this in a 2010 teaching in an address in which he stated, the witness of charity practiced here in a special way is part of the church's mission, together with the proclamation of the truth of the gospel. So, Francis is lying, or just wrong, and yet he repeats this one. And if you people hear Pope Splainer say that Francis doesn't really say not to spread the gospel, they're wrong or lying themselves. I mean, what, 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 what kind of commentary am I supposed to give there? I gave, I dropped some in reading that well-done LifeSide article, okay? And I can tell you that I can repeat the point that the Great Commission, arguably the big idea outside of the, well, divinity of the Christ, you get more in John's gospel than Matthew's gospel, but you get these Judaic bridges 
to the Old Testament in Matthew's gospel. That's, you know, people say the main idea. Jesus as the Messiah is, I guess, the main idea. You get more his divinity in John. But the third or fourth main idea of Matthew's gospel is the Great Commission. Our sense of missiology. Our goal as Catholic laity and the goal of the Catholic clerics, the church, the clerics and the lay together are supposed to spread the gospel to all the world. That's the big goal. We didn't need a church when Jesus was here teaching himself. He could do it himself. We need the work, the action of the Holy Spirit to bless the apostles' work, those who stand in line of the apostles, that is, the bishops, together with the priests and the laity, in the years after Jesus walked the earth. He's only here as a consecrated host anymore by locating anywhere there's a consecrated host or a mass being said. But that's not him here walking and talking and teaching. So the church walks, talks, and teaches for him. And yes, it requires words, boomers. I know there's so many good boomers in this audience. I, they want me to stop saying that, but it's too fun to say boomer. It's too, too good a word. But yes, I know there are many, many good, good boomers in this audience, and I love you guys. Same as I love all parish orphans and retrogrades. But it's, this, etymologically speaking, ideologically speaking, this malapropism comes from your generation. So we have to call a spade a spade here. You know, evangelize always only use words if necessary. You need to use words to evangelize. Being someone's friend, as they do heroin, or practice a false faith, only confirms them in their falsity. Now, you can do something kind for them, but say, you need to stop your falseness. You need words for that. If you just do the kind thing, it looks like you're just doing something nice for them as they do something that's bad for them, like drugs or like a false faith. That's why you need words. It's a proper accident, speeches of being rational. It's our specific difference, what sets us apart from non-rational animals in the genus we share with the animals. So, Francis is so wicked. I, I just, I can't, I can't say it enough. It is impossible. He said this four or five times. People lie about whether or not he said it. And it's really weird. It's just a really weird time. Now, Here's this article I'm reading from New Daily Compass where Francis shocks Barcelona seminarians with sexual expletives. I, Sorry, it's bad enough Pope Francis is talking to seminarians and dropping F-bombs. I mean, I'm not a big Puritan on this. To call it sexual expletives, I don't think he was using the F-word in the context of the F-word where it's probably a sin, you know, the context of what it means. But if you say... Forget that, and instead you use the other F word. That's not a sexual expletive, even though it's the F word. And the Pope shouldn't be doing that. He's the Holy Father, okay? It's a prudence issue, and he has way, way, way faulty prudence. It's a prudence issue, maybe not a sin issue. I I think to say shocks Barcelona seminarians with sexual expletives is not fair. I want to be fair to Francis, and it's bad enough to show how woefully imprudent this wicked prelate is. We don't have to exaggerate it beyond that. I don't think he was saying um, the gross, more literal denotation of the F word, which, which, which makes it into an actual sin. 
let me read a little of this. The case of the Pope's speech at the December the 10th meeting with the Barcelona seminarians is snowballing. Instead of reading the prepared speech published on the Vatican website, Francis allegedly spoke off the cuff, denying the need for repentance in order to grant absolution. That's the bigger deal. I just want to get this F-word thing out of the way first. According to testimonies collected by uh, Germanons, Germany Beat, he also used vulgar expressions that necessitates urgent clarification from the Vatican press office. The first to break the news was the Catalan blog, Germinans, Germina Beat, edited by a Barcelona lawyer, very attentive to the facts of the church, especially the Catalan one. And it was then translated by Aldo Maria Valli, who's uh, an interesting character and had an interesting role in even, uh, not Sochi's book, but Tosati's book. Interesting cat. The article, Lo que dijo y lo que no el Papa a los seminaristas de Barcelona in Spanish, dated December the 12th, reports several worrying statements and expressions used by Pope Francis. Let's start at the beginning. On Saturday, December the 10th, the Pope met with a community of seminarians from Barcelona, together with the Auxiliary Bishop of the Diocese, Monsignor Javier Villanova Pelisa. The speech prepared for the Holy Father to address to the seminarians is published on the Vatican website. An impressive reflection centered on the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries of priestly life, inspired by the luminous figure of Saint Manuel Gonzalez Garcia, zealous pastor of the Eucharist, known as the Bishop of the Abandoned Tabernacles, and author of a book that has become a classic for Spanish-speaking seminaries, Lo que puede una cura hoy. Curiously, the Holy Father never delivered the speech. Moreover, what the Pope actually said in its place has never been officially disclosed. That's why I take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. Not even a hint from the official Vatican press organs. This is what was revealed by the Spanish blog. So it is hearsay, but it's what I'd call probably reliable hearsay. After receiving testimonies from seminarians who are present. These are not guys that are out to get him. These are native tongue speakers. These are Spanish speakers, just like Francis. These are seminarians who are probably excited to meet him. They're seminarians, for heaven's sakes. These aren't you know, angry trads that went with a problem. We contacted the source and ascertained that they possessed the testimonial evidence of seminarians and instructors who were more than perplexed by what the Pope did say. According to their testimony, Francis took the text that had been prepared and set it aside saying that, quote, it would have been boring. That's a funny, that's a funny thing. And that he would prefer to be asked questions instead. The most problematic answer the Pope gave was one in which he invited future priests never to deny absolution. Never deny absolution, he's saying. According to the one seminarian, the Pope's reported to have invited them, quote, not to be clerical, but to forgive everything. More precisely, he is alleged to have added that, quote, if we see that there is no intention to repent, we must forgive all. We can never deny absolution because we become a vehicle for an evil, unjust, and moralistic judgment. So, this article points out, the Pope's alleged comments therefore confirm what he had already told the rectors and instructors of Latin American seminaries. A month before the encore offered to Catalan seminarians, calling priests to deny absolution delinquents, 
Then, too, Francis had set aside a 12-page speech with the justification that it was heavy going. He called this one boring. He called it heavy going a month before. And instead had spoken off the cuff and said something horrible, false, heinous, anti-Catholic. And then, too, the Pope had used some unfortunate expressions. He said, the priest, the seminarian, the minister must be close. Close to whom? To the girls of the parish? And some of them are. They're close. Then they get married. That's fine. With the Barcelona seminarians, however, it seems that he, that the joke with an inappropriate double meaning was turned into a language that would embarrass even a sailor. From what some of the seminarians report, the Pope is said to have spoken of, quote, those who suck up for promotion to be in the limelight, of effing careerists who eff up the lives of others and such amenities. Then followed the insistence not to be rigid, not to be clerical, another leitmotif of Francis's speeches, also the examples the Pope is said to have pointed out to the seminarians. Priests who have fallen into grave sins but have acknowledged them, priests who do not dress as priests but mingle with people, a transsexual and a gay man. Um, it's hard to know even what he's really thinking or saying here. Okay. It's important that the Vatican press office intervenes to clarify and perhaps also to provide the actual text of the Pope's words on December the 10th, the article says. The entire church has the right to know. Why does he speak this way? I mean, I'm not trying to live in glass houses and throw stones, but when you're the vicar of Christ on earth, Holy, Holy Father, you ought to be held to the highest standard. And, you know, you're Holy Father. It's in your title. Do we all want to be good? Yes. Should we all be called to be saints and to be holy? Of course. But no one presumes that a layman is a Holy Father, just a father trying to be good. And of course, what Francis has said here is, is utterly unholy. So I just... It's really hard. It's it's a hard time. It's a hard time to have such a, a holy father who says things like coprophagia, coprophilia, dropping F-bombs, hates his foes, doesn't love his foes. It's really, really, it's, it's an ugly time to be a Catholic. And it's a hard time to be a Catholic. But it's still the only place to be. Now, this is an article from the website from Rome. The final thing, the most tenuous from Rome is a little bit more like gossip, maybe reliable, maybe not. Hearsay evidence that Francis ordered Pell accused. The article is called, it's January the 14th, 2023, by the editor. The Vatican says, Chao Qui says, Betchu, Cardinal Betchu, convinced Bergoglio to have Pell tried for pedophilia. Take this with whatever size of grain of salt you will. You judge. It doesn't mean it's false because it's hearsay, but it doesn't mean it's true. Uh, the Cardinal is dead at Pell. This is uh, Francesca Chauqui. He was the person with whom I carried out the Vatican finance reform. Not a person of integrity, but Betchu had opposed him to the point of convincing the Pope to have him tried in Australia for pedophilia, three years in prison, then absolved. This is Francesca Chauqui, and that it's a, a tweet. Uh, e morto il cardinale Pell, era la persona con cui 
ho portato avanti la riforma delle finanze radicane, just to make sure that the translation was correct, non una persona interima, ma Becciulo aveva avversato fino a convincere, convincere il Papa a farlo processare in Australia per pedofilia. Tre anni in carcere, poi assolto. Okay, so that, yes, yes, that's, so I'm not reading them thoughtlessly. That, that does seem like a good translation. And this, my phone keeps coming away from this thing. I use my phone a lot for shows, if you haven't noticed. Um, okay, so here's the editor's note. This explosive public revelation is another nail in the coffin of the reputation of the of uh, what they're calling an anti-pub. Okay, that's not my view. But they say in this tweet, this publicly avowed supporter of Pope Francis, they put his name in scare quotes, spills the beans on who gave the green light to get Pell prosecuted in Australia. I don't think it's crazy at all to entertain the idea that Pope Francis might be an anti-pope. But to start, to not operate the epistemic humility that seems requisite upon us to say, I don't know. There's a lot of questions about Francis. There are a million. There are probably, not literally a million, there are, there are enough that we can analogize to a million. There are probably 500 questions that are valid about Francis and his pontificate that could throw serious doubt on the light of his pontificate. But it's just silly to me. It's, uh, it's silly because I'm naturally an evidence-based kind of person. A priori evidence or a posteriori is fine. But it's just silly when they start putting scare quotes on Pope Francis. Let's just see what happens. Take a, you guys can't take a wait-and-see approach? In this tweet, this publicly avowed supporter of they say Pope Francis, I'm mocking the scare quotes, spills the beans on who gave the green light to get Pell prosecuted in Australia. Now, I find this more plausible than you, but... Make your own, come to your own conclusion. There's another thing this channel does that other channel, other Catholic channels don't do. I'm telling you, come to your own conclusions, but at least I'm trying to point you toward the right stuff. I'm trying to help you sift through it. We're, this channel's good at that. We're bringing you stories that you probably haven't heard elsewhere. I'm saying, come to your own conclusions. While this has nothing to do with Pope Benedict XVI, those who claim that it is totally incredible to assert that Bergoglio could have been part of a plot to socially isolate Benedict for 10 years so that no one would discover that he never abdicated and never said he abdicated are now in a very tough position. I told the world that the true Pope had been imprisoned years ago on July the 8th, 2019. He did so here. But now, since it is known that Pell's mortal enemies were at Rome and that he died at Rome, one must forensically raise the question if his death was caused or promoted by someone at Rome. I, I think this is a, worth, a worthy question. And, and it needs to be looked into before you start doing things like throwing scare quotes on Pope Francis. Just call him Pope Francis. Okay? Pope Francis. Let him be the worst Pope of all time, Pope Francis, with maybe an asterisk. Very unshocking if he turns out to be an anti-pope, but why, do you go, why can't you guys pray with his name in the prayers? I don't get it. Have some epistemic humility. I'm friends with a lot of these Benedictus Pope guys. I just don't get it. I don't get being like, well, I'm certain. Because the opposite side makes this ridiculous claim of they say, oh, you, you sit in judgment on the Pope. I don't think any of the Benedictus Pope people are really sitting in judgment on the Pope. They're not claiming to be a cardinal 
that's taken some vote on this. It hasn't happened yet. And therefore, that would be a counterfactual. And I don't think guys like Ed Mazza or Pat Coffin are crazy. I think that you lend credence, Mazza or Coffin, both both friends of mine, to the overreaction by Pope Splainers to your own claims, Mazza and Coffin, by doing things like throwing Pope Francis in scare quotes. And I, I know no, neither of these friends of mine wrote this From Rome article, but Ed Mazza sent it to me. And I think it's very interesting. And I don't think it's uncompelling. Let me put it that way. But it needs to be proven more and more importantly, it needs to be juridically proven in a tribunal of cardinals or however that's going to work. As always, we, we say what we think here on Rules for Retrogrades. Don't pull punches, but we're just not taking any leaps. There's a, this, is, this is how you do the, the bold yet faithful obedience thing. I think. Maybe I'm wrong about all this. I don't think so, though. I think this is how you do the bold yet faithful obedience two-step. And it is a two-step dance. And that's why I think Rules for Retrogrades is the best model of bold yet faithful. Bold yet faithful. That's the way to go. It is the most confusing time in the history of the church to be Catholic. All of the other assets or virtues of this channel, for all of our weaknesses, we have blind spots that are particular to me on this channel. Uh, I assure you of that. But for the strengths of this channel that are pretty much not being seen anywhere else in the degree to which they're strengths of this channel, we just say, hey, you know, take us for what we're worth. And if, if Rules for Retrogrades is wrong about this or that, it's happened before, it'll happen again, then listen to someone that has the ring of truth to them. But I don't think I'm going to be wrong about be bold yet faithfully obedient. Figure out where you're allowed to rebel, where you're not. I think you're perfectly fine. I know you're perfectly fine if you say, okay, well, this Pope looks like a more compelling instance of a lot of the anti-Popes. That doesn't mean he is one yet. We can't be backwards thinking yet. We have to have some certain historical event, like a church declaration, transpire before we can be backward looking retrospectively and retroactively and say what some of these guys are saying about Francis, that they know he's an antipope. It's just the case is getting stronger slowly, I think week by week. I'm still not even at preponderance, let alone clear and convincing evidence standard yet, let alone beyond a reasonable doubt. And I don't know which of those three standards you would apply to antipope. But for starters, I can say I'm not even quite at preponderance yet. Got to keep digging. After all, it's Francis that said we... The traditionalists in the church, dig, dig, and you'll always find psychological problems. Parish organs and retrogrades, it is the year 2023. We made it thus far. We're, half, we're over halfway through January. It's my least favorite month of the year. I always try to get out of January to February the 1st. We're over halfway through January. God bless you all. God bless your families. If you have some extra resources you want to throw at Rules for Retrogrades, go to timothyjgordon.com become a patron. Tomorrow is our second reading group with the book club for The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis, with Quite Frankly's channel. It's a lot of fun. It's at what, 745 CST? Become a patron. Patrons only. Patrons only. Patrons only. We're trying to do more patrons only stuff. God bless you. Be safe. Danceable.
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.